Hello, everyone, and welcome to Bobblehead Podcast. Um, starting a, um, a new series today, dealing with questions that you guys sent in. So uh, we jump in this today, and the very first topic we cho- chose was, what was the one event that happened to you that changed your life, either professionally or just privately in your own world outside of work? And so we dive into that. It was pretty cool because Davin had some uh, reactions to what I thought were, was the one event for me. And he had another idea of what that was. And uh, it was very revealing to me. And he was right about that. So and I think I was able to respond to him in some of the same ways. So some pretty cool stories. And uh, we hope you get a lot out of it. So uh, glad you're here. Well, I guess yeah, make doing, it over there. Because I haven't read these, these are the sound bites. So, okay. Feel like I'm at... On that big realm. brother, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, he's his team McLaren dropped him. So he hadn't had a good year, so he had to pay him out like forty two million dollars or something for next year. So he didn't have a he didn't have a ride next year. He's been offered a couple of rides, but they're not great rides. And uh, so his helmet, they paint their helmets different for every race. He had the uh, the Cougar, yeah, on the side of his helmet, and it said <laughs> me on it on both sides. That's I thought funny. it was I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. How do you get out of that? Can't read it. My eyes are so bad. How do you get this? This episode brought to you by Lens Crafters. <laughs> okay, right. But I said nut. Okay, I was like, hmm, that's interesting. That changes everything. It changes everything. <laughs> Okay, so I'll just, if it's okay, well, I'll just let's go, let's go with these. So um, with that being said, Davin, how are you doing? Man, I'm fantastic. I'm tired. That's what I am. Are you? Yeah, it was homecoming weekend. Hoko? Hoko. Yeah. I, never, I never, we didn't have Hoko. We had homecoming. It's, Hoko's a, 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 a new thing. Like, I, I, I never yeah. really understood how Hoko is short for homecoming. I mean, I, mean, I get it. You take a lot, of, a lot of letters out and you, you can wind up with, but you could also wind up with, well, never mind. Let's just stop there. But it, I mean, it's a whole, especially in Texas, it's a whole ordeal with the mums. Oh, um, and mums, the, or this is, or the the mum is the outfit. They really are. And Peyton's girlfriend, I mean, her, she's tall. You know, yeah. she's six feet tall. Her mum was, I mean, neck to feet, and it covers like massive. Came through their body, like it's just a big yeah. mum. And and, and they wear it around their necks, right? Yeah, they do. And and the men, the the boys, men, whatever, have a smaller version of it that they generally wear around their arm. And for you know, for context, for people that are outside of Texas that are listening to this, is mums are a are a Texas tradition that yeah. that the parents of the boy usually build or make or buy for the girl, and it's yeah. got their name on it, and and they're different colors for different years. Sometimes I think like seniors are silver or something se- like that. Senior, it's white. Yeah. Sophie would know. It's white. Yeah. 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 It's and white. Then, I mean, there's there's these things are monstrosities, and like uh, we we might just put a picture in the show notes or something for people to see, but, or just Google mom, like Texas, Texas mom. moms and, and these M-U-M. things are, are ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, and it's, it's unreal. It, it's a whole exhaustive process. And then on Friday, the day of the football game, usually they exchange moms and the girls wear their mom to school around their neck and they're dragging around cowbells and whistles and every damn thing else that's attached. Oh, to it's things. unreal. Yeah. yeah. And then the guys wear a smaller version of it on their arm, but, and it's, it's the name of the girl and the date and their seat and their, their class mm-hmm. and all yeah. that kind of stuff. I mean, it, it really is yeah. a, a to do. Yeah. So, um, did they do that in Montana? No. So, so if, when I was in East Texas growing up, we did that. Now they weren't near as big as they are now, 
they were big, but they weren't as like if if you were really hot stuff, and you had a lot of money, you could have like three little mums together. Okay, but now it's just one giant. Looks like a sunflower. Yeah, we didn't have time for stuff like that in Montana, man. I, that's no. that's where the men are men. They were they were scared. They were they, <laughs> the mums would have frozen and fallen off by the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. The, the, it was not. It it was. Yeah. Texas is a whole different beast when it comes. It, to that. it is. It's a. It's and it's. I'd love to say it's a cool tradition, but it's really not. I mean, there, there's a lot of work that goes into it. Yeah, but it's just it's gaudy and it's not. It's, it's not attractive. You sound like an, you sound like an old curmudgeon now. Like you're gonna yell at somebody for walking on your grass and. Yeah. Maybe so, but it's funny because I'm not wrong. You're not wrong at all, and and I'm to the to the age now where like I see things and I'm like, dress short dresses and like girls cover up and like you find yourself grumbling about things that old men grumble about. But once again, we're not wrong. No, we're not wrong. Yeah, but you know, it's like the mum thing. It's not going away, and and when you're in the middle of it, it seems normal. Sure, but when you're out of it, I just got to tell you, it's it's normal. It's not. Yeah, it's like attending a Texas A&M football game. Like yeah. When you're in it, you're like, this is normal. Yeah. When you step outside of it, you're like, yeah. oh, this is weird. Yeah, for real. Yeah. That's that's a good way to put it. <laughs> which which is no context for three fourths of the people on this podcast. Oh yeah, just um, Google that. Yeah, just Google that. Which but, speaking of speaking of Texas AM, they got their woo, booties whooped again. Three and four. You got beat by South Carolina. Yeah. Uh, they spotted up 17 points. Uh hello, time to buy out a contract. And I'm a gym, I'm a Fisher fan, but man, time, Dude, time to I I don't know he's other than writing Jameis Winston is a generational football player in a national championship, look at his credentials. He really hasn't done yeah. that much. And I like him. He's a yeah. big personality. He's, yeah. He seems like a pretty cool guy. But, you know, the fact that, you know, poor Connor Wegman, that true freshman's coming in. Yeah. And, you know, he's played that kid the last couple of years. Yeah. He brought down in the Bridgeland Cypress in Houston. Yeah. Great athlete, but he's stepping into a, a rough, yeah. rough situation. Yeah, he is. Um, and, and, I, and I think Jimbo's problem is I think he still does things old school. Yeah. And I think if he can bring in a good offensive coordinator that's young, that not some of the young ways of doing things, he'll probably be all right. Yeah, he can't. He needs, he, to, he needs to be a head coach like, and quick like call plays. Yeah, because yeah, that hasn't worked out so well. So can you? Um, yeah, thank you. So other than that, you have, you, you had yourself a, a pretty pretty interesting weekend too. Pretty. Uh, yeah, thank you. Um, oh, sorry. I it was a uh, yeah. So we went to the F one race this weekend. Never been. Um, it was in Austin. So I'm, I'm like, if it, if it's in Austin, it's supposed to be one of the biggest races of the year, um, then I'd love to go. So I got tickets about six months ago and, and we went and it was quite the, uh, event. It was well done, well put together. It was fun. Um, for me, it's probably once every five years would be nice, but not every year. It's too much. Well, and, and traveling to the hill country alone to Austin, Austin's an awesome city. It's a beautiful city. It's fun, yeah. but you have to want to go there. I mean, they they seem to have big event after big event after big event with ACL or South by Southwest. ACL was or, the week before, right. like it, it ended Sunday, and this started. You know, people started coming in Monday. And there's always something big going on in oh, yeah. Austin, and yeah. it causes it. The infrastructure there isn't supportive of the it, amount of people not. that's there anyway. It's but when not. you infuse up five hundred thousand people, like you said, over yeah. the course of three days, yeah, it makes it travel prohibitive. Which again, I sound like an old man complaining again. Yeah, but um, I do love Austin. I just don't like going to Austin. Yeah, and can you imagine living there? Oh no. Yeah, yeah, I did. You know, that's where when I moved from. Oh, that's moved right. From, when yeah. I moved to Dallas, I moved from. But you Austin. were outside of Austin, right? Up in Cedar Park, but I worked yeah. on Camp Mabry, which was right on Mopac and Thirty Fifth. Oh wow! So right in the heart of all of it. And ten years ago, twelve years ago now, I mean, it was a it was crazy then. Yeah, you'd have to. It would take you an hour to go twenty minutes. Yeah, my sister lives out um, northwest of the city, and I don't okay. think she. They don't deal with unless you go into downtown Austin. They don't. Yeah. It's not the same. Yeah. So I think if you were living in a suburb, it'd be okay. So. 
pretty cool weekend though. I mean, yeah. I, I've, you know, racing's not my thing, you know that, but I love cars and I love any, like I love a good scene. So yeah. I imagine it'd be pretty cool. It was, it was really, really cool. Um, racing was good. Um, everybody was nice. We met some cool people. Nice. It was good. Glad to be home. Slept really good As last always. night. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a good week. Look forward to it. I think we got some, some questions. We do. Um, I have them written down on Sophie's phone. So I'm going to try to not to keep, if you see me looking down and like touching the, you want to hand it back to her so she can like make the font bigger. I don't like, you, you know, you can do that. I don't know if like there's a, in the settings, I'll show you on your phone later. If you haven't figured it out yet, it, it'll help. Thanks. I appreciate that. I'm not quite to that point. <laughs> However, as I was looking over this earlier, it was more difficult, but I've decided, I think there's, there's a dot on our phone screen and that's why it was. Okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Right. Okay. So I have a few uh, listener questions and so, um, you know, just tackle them one at a time. Just yeah, let's go. go. Okay. Fun. So what was a moment that changed, uh, your professional career forever? What was the one moment that changed your professional career? forever? Oh man. I don't, that's a tough one to narrow down to just one. Yeah. Cause it's almost like a season of life kind of question for me. Yeah. Like what defines you as a, is that deciding that you want to go from being a knucklehead to a professional and then mm -hmm. the young professional moment. And then I think you have these like evolutionary moments as they go. Yeah. And, and but if, if I were going to narrow it down for me, I would say the transition from the military to the corporate world. Yeah. Um, and everything that kind of led up to that process. Cause obviously you don't just decide, Hey, one day I'm going to leave active duty and I'm going to transition over to the national guard and I'm going to go be a successful corporate executive. Um, but you know, for me, I was, I was down at Fort Hood. I was running the, the schoolhouse down there. Um, the infantry branch at, um, at the regional training center down there. And you get exposure to a lot of corporate esque type things. Right. But you're still kind of embroiled in the military bureaucracy mm -hmm. and it wasn't fun anymore because I just left being a first sergeant, you know, been an operational guy my entire career and I got sent to the schoolhouse. And I find myself, I found myself kind of falling out of love with what I was doing. Right. And there were so many corporate applications that would allow me to be successful beyond the military, but I was still kind of stuck in the middle of it. You kind of have to unwind. And, and so it was about a year and a half long process of networking, you know, continuing education, things like that and deciding to, uh, to, to step away into the corporate world. Yeah. Had you, you had finished your, had you finished your undergrad? At yeah. That point I'd time? finished my undergrad, but I hadn't fit. I hadn't, started on my NBA yet. I think I started shortly there yeah. thereafter, like yeah. a true fool. That, that's, that was a great, that was a great move by the way. <laughs> well, Let, you know, let's, in, let's start a whole new job and a whole new career and, and take and get a start an MBA. Let's at jump the same into time. an MBA program yeah, at the same time. Yeah. But, um, you know, it, it was, I think the reason it was so evolutionary for me is like, I, I was able to repurpose my purpose so much in that transitionary mm -hmm. moment for me is, mm -hmm. You know, I, I loved serving. I loved working with the guys. I loved being part of something that was bigger than me. And it was why, you know, the military was, was so beneficial for, mm -hmm. for me. But I, as I was going through that transitionary process, I, I noticed what a joke of a job the military and the government does helping guys transition. Mm -hmm. And I know, and our listeners know of, you know, one or 10 or a hundred guys that have transitioned that have just struggled mm -hmm. or wanted to transition and didn't know how to do it the right way. Right. And so throughout this process, I remember thinking what a joke it was, but I'm like, I, I need to not necessarily be part of the process, but be part of the fix in right. a one-to-one -one or a one-to-few type, fa mm -hmm. type fashion. And so I, I've, I've always tried to lead in a way that, that helps set the standard for veterans in the corporate world. Mm -hmm. Like, again, it, listeners, if you've been around for a while, you've heard me say this, that, you know, I think that we have this lens of, that, of which we view veterans through and it's that PTSD that's, you know, right. you know, like ticking time bomb, you know, right. And, uh, some of that is earned for sure. Yeah. But the reality of it is, is we're the most capable, competent workforce 
in the yeah. world. And yeah. I truly believe this and are capable of, of doing anything we set our mind to. And I wanted to be that beacon of light. I wanted to be that guy that transitioned the right way and helped guys, whether they were out and stuck or whether they were wanting to leave and were stuck. And so I let, I left and, and put that passion into not just my work, but back into the veteran community. Mm-hmm. And, and it changed my perspective. Um, while also helping me seamlessly transition, you know, seamlessly, it's never, it's never the easiest thing in the world, but seamlessly transition from being a senior non-commissioned officer in the army to a corporate executive. Yeah. Yeah. And what's cool is I I can remember those days. Yeah. You were part of the process. I I can remember, um, you know, we would go, I think we went and had drinks next door after Mm -hmm. CrossFit or something like that and talk through it. And, uh, I can remember how excited you were about the potential of doing something like that. And I think you were, I think you were a little bit bored. Uh-huh. And, um, but what's been interesting is, you know, so you've been out of, out of the military and in corporate world for how long now? How many years? Seven. Seven years. Wow. Well, seven years, yeah. It was like three. Right. Um, but you think about, you know, you have, you know, when you came into the corporate world, you had so much experience that a lot of people think, oh, well, you've been military, that doesn't, those, those years don't count towards your corporate career, but they do mm-hmm. because I mean, you hit the ground running seven years ago and jumped in with feet first and, you know, we're up to speed quickly. And, you know, you came here after that job, you've been here, what, four years? Yeah. A little over four years, yeah. over four years. And, you know, you think about your responsibilities here of only being in the corporate world at that point in time, three years or less, two and mm-hmm. a half years. And so, you know, but you, you came in and handled it like any great COO would and um, never missed a beat. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, one of my encouragements to people that are listening is if, if you're an entrepreneur, or you, you hire people, you know, we've gotten to where, man, I, if, if I have the choice of getting someone that's ex-military or someone that's not, that has some of the same skills, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I think I'd take, I think I'd take the one that was ex-military just because of some of the things that they've experienced and been through of, especially if they led leaders of men, I say men is in general, right. but leaders of people, um, it, it uh, you know, it makes a big difference versus, you know, I, you come up the ranks and you're responsible for revenue. You're responsible for, for like, for me, I was a sales guy. And for me to transition all of a sudden be leading people was a different game and not all good salespeople turn into good managers of people. But, you know, you didn't just manage a few people, but it, you led sometimes hundreds of people and in different times, different situations. And that actually plays over really well to the corporate world. Now, it's a different world right. that you were in. They had to listen to you, but they but you still had to draw and motivate them to do what it is you wanted them to do. And, you know, here the difference is we pay them so they have to. There, they're in the military, they have to. But... They have to, but they don't have to do it well. Right. Whereas your job as a leader is to get them to do it well. Right. S- similar. It, it, it's maximum effectiveness to accomplish the the, the mission, right? right. The, the commander's intent. And it's it works so well for us because I think having a veteran be able to vet veterans that are coming into an organization is mm-hmm. very helpful because, you know, to think that 100% of veterans are the, the best, most capable thing ever is is, is disingenuous, it is. right? It is. We're, we're, we are a subset of humanity just like every other subset of humanity right and there's some really good dudes and there's some dudes that aren't aren't so great and so Mm -hmm. being able to vet because what if you think about one of the things that 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 the military brings is so strong is that 
intangible leadership type domain, right? You've been through some very stressful scenarios and know at this time how you're going to react physically, mentally, emotionally, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But what we lack in most situations and what I lacked when I stepped into the corporate world and I had to work so hard to overcome was domain expertise. Mm-hmm. I'd never been in the home services world. And when I came here, I'd never been in healthcare IT. And the right ones will be voracious about their consumption of information to, to bring their domain expertise up enough to be able to not have it be a weakness and have it augment their strength, which is domain and leadership expertise. Yeah. And unfortunately, not all not all military guys are like that. They, they go into the corporate world saying, I'm a veteran, I'm a leader, I'm a this, and they yeah. expect um, it to work out. They expect themselves to be successful, but they right. never attack domain expertise. Right. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. So I, uh, I'll just, I'll throw out mine. My, mine was probably 20, gosh, came how many years ago? Probably 23 years ago now. And that was, um, I, uh, I had the company kind of as an offshoot of another company and we'd built this software and, uh, we did it for financial institutions. Really, it's kind of what we're going towards banks and that sort of thing. And we had a, um, a hospital in East Texas, uh, that was buying some printers from us at the time. And, um, they said, Hey, by the way, we're, you know, we're buying these other printers from these other people and here's what it does. I'm like, Oh, well we have software that kind of would do some of the similar things. And so uh, they looked at it and loved it and turned around and bought it for not a whole lot of money. And, uh, you know, the, the, the story I tell, and this is the truth is a guy named David Jones, great guy. Uh, he called me and said, Hey, you, you have some special stuff here. We, this is really good. This works really well in the hospital. You ought to really look at going healthcare. And so I'm not going to drag the story out, but in, in result was he was right. We wound up splitting the company off and going strictly healthcare at that point in time. And, you know, so I think about the days that changed my career that changed my life was that call from David Jones, you know, telling me that. And he, funny thing is he called me two or three times and kept encouraging me to do it. Um, you know, that, that literally changed my life. Um, cause it was an opportunity that I had decided, am I going to take this or am I going to go a different way? And we decided to take it. I decided to take it and it literally changed the course of my life. And, uh, so, you know, that was, that was the moment that professionally that was a game changer for me. And and every entrepreneur can probably say the same thing. There was a day that you said, okay, I think this will work. There's an opportunity here. I think I can do this. And the choice is either you know, go conservative and say, eh, it's not the right time. It's not the right time. I left money built up or just to go for it. And it's that day that you decide just to go for it is that day that will change you. So for me, that's what it was. That's really cool. And that's not what I expected. Can, can I tell you what I, what I expected you to say? And when, from knowing you over, I've known you for 12 years. Was it the day I hired working, you? Was that what you were going to say? That's, 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 <laughs> number, well, that's number one. Was when you decided to embrace uh mindset, when you decided to, yeah. to become, to, to change your perspective and your thinking on the way that you thought as a leader. Yeah. Um, that w- that's true also. It, it, yeah. it, to me, it, that had such a profound effect, not just on you, but the way it proliferated across mm-hmm. the organization. And had you not decided to dive into mindsets and become that type of more like aspirational leader mm-hmm. and knowing that your strengths laid there as opposed to the day-to-day operations of the organization is when it is when it opened up the company. And I yeah. think not only did it open up the company, I think it opened up you and the way that you think and the way that you act and the way you interact, not just with me or, or in the company, but I think everybody around you. Yeah, that's probably true. I, I would, I would 
I would agree with that. Yeah. Uh, you were here when all that was going on, weren't you? Very front end of it, yeah. When when Barb came in and we we yeah, really I get, that's right. leadership stuff. So I was you. probably a year into that before you came on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because because I did Colby's with you. So yep. before, yeah. So that was probably about a year, year and a half before you started. So it's probably been five, five and a half years yeah. ago. Yeah, I would, I would agree. That was a big, um, that was what, to me, what launched my professional career to a point to where it is now. It didn't launch my professional career, but it, it launched it to a different level of how I see things. I, I can tell you this, it changed my outlook and it changed, I'm already gray and I'm pretty white headed now. It would all be gone. Right. Um, if it weren't for that, just because I had to see be, things. I, I can tell you unequivocally, the organization wouldn't be what it is today. Had you not yeah. changed your mindset in, in the way that you viewed leadership. Yeah. And, and, and to grasp it enough to say either everyone around me in the organization is going to fall along, get on the train with me, or you're not going to be here. And, right. And, and, and all that's good and well, like you can say that as much as you want, but like, in, unless you truly embrace it and are, are the thought leader on it, yeah, then you, you can't do it as a leader and you can't not do it as a leader, but expect the company to adopt oh, 100%. it. And it was adopted because it became part of the, like integral to the culture of, of yeah. who we were. Well, it became a part of who I was. Right. And you know, it was, so since I was the leader of the organization, it's going to have to follow that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I can remember Barb, you know, talking to me after, I guess it was one of those meetings and she was like, I really appreciate you being here. Cause it was a group of 12 of us. She's like, Hey, I'm really glad you're here. I'm like, well, thanks. I appreciate that. But why, I'm, I'm glad I'm, I'm here too. Why wouldn't I be here? And she goes, Oh, you're one of the few people that the entrepreneurs that stick around when I'm talking to their team about mindset and all this stuff, they kind of go back and do their thing and expect me to go in and change the organization. And it was foreign to me because I thought, well, I've got to be part of this, right? They've got to see me buy into this or they won't buy into it. But um, so I think that was a lot of it is I, I've always been that person that wanted to jump in and lead from within the group. Um, but it was, uh, it was, it was difficult. I'll say that. Uh, and you, you got here, you got here at the right time to be able to be an agent of change right. along with that. So I think the timing was right in that it was a perfect storm of a new guy that came in that was purely operational, that saw things black and white, but yet grab, grabbed a hold of that mindset mentality. And so this is where we're gonna do things. So it wasn't just me trying to push it on everybody, but you grasp it too. And so it became a, a part of our DNA yep. at the company. And it's so interesting because I think people think about these type of events as some sort of physical change. Yeah. Like they change, they change a job or they change a career or they build a thing. Mm-hmm. But I think that's all preempted by the mindset to be able to be successful throughout that. Thing. Yeah. And, you know, so my encouragement to people that are listening to this and, you know, they're considering that change or they're on the, the edge of that kind of watershed event is, are you mentally and emotionally prepared for it to happen? Have you invested into the way that you think how and, and how you think and how you interact with others to be able to carry you through that? Because if you are, then that will drive, that will be the change. And you can yeah. go through any any number of physical events in your life. If you know how to handle it the right way, spiritually, emotionally, and men- mm-hmm. mentally, mm-hmm. then the event isn't going to be the most important thing. Right. It's the way that you think on a daily basis becomes the most important thing in your life. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, and it's it's funny that you, you know, your perspective on me and what was, of course, you wouldn't have been with me that long, but, but you know, that you're, you're right. From the outside, I can see that. And if I can kind of reflect back yeah. to you, 
is it was probably what a year and a half, a year and a half ago, or has it been two years? And you were going some pretty through some pretty dark stuff in your mm-hmm. life. A couple years ago, yeah. Very difficult stuff in your life. And um and it, you know, it we all go through things that break us down. And that broke you down to a point where um you had to look at yourself and say, Who who am I and who's the man that I I wanna be? And um, you know, I don't think you expected that to happen. But um during that time, it was probably one of the most difficult things you've ever been through in your life. But yet, it was probably, I'm guessing, from the outside out, I can see it, you're a different guy now than you were then. 100%, yeah. And that it, it was a transformational moment for you. Um, you know, the way you see yourself and the way you see others um, is completely different than it was before. Um, you know, it's, it's, um, it's fun because you're, you're a calmer person now. You're, you don't, you know, things don't shock you as much. You're not you're not as scared and scared is not a big, a, a, the right word, but you're not as fearful of what might happen because you're secure in who you are and how you think and what your values are. And those, you don't let people rock those, right? You're going to mm-hmm. be this and I don't care what people think of me. This is who I am. And, um, that was, that was big. And, and I think everybody around you can see saw the same thing. Yeah, man, you're hundred percent right. And that's a whole podcast for another day. But you know, like when, when you're going through some stuff and you know, some of it's self-inflicted and some of it is, is external variables and mm-hmm. all you have is reflection mm-hmm. and all you have is the question of who do I want to be? Right. It's big. And, and a lot of that is, again, we've said this before, but what, what would 80 year old Davin tell 40 year old Davin? That, you know, that one question, I remember you coming to the office it, it was, one day. Yeah, it was a and huge it was your brother point. said that, yeah, it right? it was my brother, yeah. And that, I think a lot about that too. But, you know, it, it's funny how that one question, there, there was a lot of things that were, you know, in there. But, man, that one question kept hanging with you. You kept mm-hmm. thinking about that. And you still talk about that yeah. to this day. Is that one question and you really thinking through that one question your brother asked you really transformed you. It, it really got me to the point where now, like, there's any number of external things can happen in my life, but it's not going to change the way that I do things because it's not the way it's not who I am. Yeah. And it's not who I want to be. And if it's not, if I can't answer that question resoundingly, I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it really changed my approach to life. It changed the way I respond to things. It changed the way I interact with people. It changed a whole lot. And, and all because I was forced to just sit in a well, like that dark, dark place and just reflect on, on, is who are you? Who do you want to be, and how do you get there? Yeah, yeah, and and it's an it's a never ending process, man. Yeah, and and I can I can remember back before that, and the way you handled people even was is mm-hmm. different now. And, and thinking about then is you know how can I motivate these people to do what I want them to do, or how can I strategize that to where now you're like, hey, listen, this is who we are, and this is what we're going to do, and this is the way it's going to work, and. I need you to get on board with me and let's get this done. And if, and if you don't, that's okay, but we need to move on from you. So it's in, in some ways you're more black and white than you were, but yet you do in a way that is understanding and humane that people look at you and go, you know what? You're right. I do need to make this decision. Yeah. Um, so man, kudos and kudos to you for having that reflection. It is one of the most difficult things in life that anybody will ever do is is true long-term self-reflection in a very dark place yep you can do it in the light and it doesn't have the same effect it's um it's been broken down to the point of you have to figure out 
you know, who you are. And, and we all, I've been through it, not quite the same way you did, but um, I've been through that where you have to make some tough decisions about who you are and what you want to be. There's never been a moment where anybody's ever learned about their true character and moments of moments of success. Oh, it's no always doubt. those dark moments, those reflective moments where you really have to, to dig deep and find out what, what it is that you're made of. And the beautiful thing about life. And you and I talked about this, about, you know, moving away and like yeah. <clears throat> being able to kind of rewrite your narrative is you have the ability to stop being what you were and be something else. Mm -hmm. And it, it's not an overnight thing. Mm -hmm. It takes a whole lot of work and a whole lot of reflection yeah. and a whole lot of continually asking yourself and answering the very difficult questions. Yeah. But you don't, if, if you're something one day, you have the ability over time to not be that thing or that yeah, person right. anymore. And you can start, it's never too late to start doing stuff the right way. Yeah, exactly. We have a really close friend and uh, this couple used to go hang out with some other folks and in this other group. And, and they're not really, that's not where they are anymore value wise. And we talked about, you know, we talked about uh, not long ago in some podcast about you have really close friends and you have, you know, people you just kind of associate, you mm -hmm. associate with. And, um, you know, they had some really close friends, but now, but now time has changed and they don't have some of the same values anymore. They've changed their values or maybe they've decided to align the values they have with people that were closer in value to them. If that makes sense. Anyway. So someone from the old friend group kind of reached out to him and said, Hey, let's get together. I'm seeing you. And they had to text back basically, you know, um, Hey, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm, you know, we've kind of just changed the way we think we've changed, uh, you know, kind of our values. And I, I don't know that we can go back there and, and that's difficult. Um, but to have, to have that reflection of how do I handle this? How do I handle this exchange and to do that gracefully, but yet do it in a way that is very straightforward is big. And, and that comes from thinking through and talking through who you are. Well, and, and if you think about the courage it takes to have that kind of interaction, I think it's one thing to internalize, right? Like, and a, a lot of, it's crazy as it sounds, a lot of addicts go through this. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I'm, mm. it's not who I am anymore. Mm. And then out come, here comes an external influence, right? Yep. And it's so much easier to say it than it is to do it. Yep. But that act of them saying, no, that's not who I am anymore. You're going from internalizing it to externalizing it. And you're letting the world know, and you're standing on your values and on your laurels that this is not going to happen anymore. That's right. not who I am. So it's, it is, I, I don't, I don't hate you, but you're uh, not my people anymore. Right. I've, I've, I've had to move on. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and that applies to so many different areas, but it, it's, yeah. it's that transitionary moment from thinking and feeling and knowing it to letting the world know, because then to me, you're going to continue to get tested by those external threats. And the more you respond the right way, the more that that galvanizes who you really are. Right. Cause it's easy to say it. It's harder, much it's harder, harder to do, to do it. Yeah. It is. It is. You know, it's hard to say, you know, I know that, People that try to quit smoking, I'm not going to quit smoking until somebody hands you a cigarette. Right. And then that's when, did you? Did you really truly quit? Yeah. And that's when it's tough. Okay. Well, I think I think we'll we'll stop there. We have, I think, a few more questions, but yeah. we'll stop here with this one. And then uh, let's carry on the next question, just the next podcast. Yeah, it took an interesting turn. Yeah, it's good. Hey, and, and thank you for your reflection with me on, you know, seeing what you thought were some changes with me professionally since you've known me and we've known each other quite a long time. Um, that was cool. So you're, you were dead on. So yeah, thank you. It was good stuff. Yeah. All right, man. Till then. See you in a couple of minutes. I see you. Bye. <laughs>